Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This time for real to Build a Bell with Bobby Blaze, what I'm sure is going to be a beautiful, beautiful episode. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, the, as far as we can tell, only Triple Crown winner at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Bobby Blaze. Whoo, yes. I like how you brought that up, man. I had to think for a second, you know, because a lot of those guys were not junior heavyweights. Mm -hmm. Of course, once I got on the road, I wasn't junior heavyweight for very long myself. Just saying. Couple, <laughs> got smartened up and fattened up real quick. Yeah, a couple, couple <laughs> so, triple cheeseburgers, and there you go, you know. Yeah. Uh, Wendy's and DQ trips. Uh, yeah. Someone asked me about that on an interview last week, if I was a part of that DQ trip. And I was like, no, I've been to that DQ and never had any problem with anyone there. But, um, yeah. Anyway, um, so I, <laughs> we talked off air, man. I was like, do I want to say, okay, it's me, Double B, you know, Art Anderson, you know, favorite enhancement talent. If I want to tell a, uh, a Bobby Eaton story right out of the box, which you got the pleasure of hearing, mm -hmm. uh, whether you wanted to or not. And it was all good folks. Just saying that, um, Let's see. It was nothing bad about Bobby, but I probably incriminated myself. Uh, Just a bit. I don't know. Near a, a dugout in Vancouver somewhere a long time ago. And um, I'll just say it's Jeremy. The girl had these, as I told, as I said, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to put this. So we're going to do Bobby Eaton, beautiful Bobby Eaton, a top 10 list. The official, right? Top the 10. Official, and how do you say it? Official and 100% legitimate. Top yes, and and if you got a top ten, yours is probably wrong, and ours is probably right. That's Just saying. It. That's it. But um, I told Bobby that uh, I'd seen this girl, and the way I described her uh, to him was, Bobby, she had these great cocksucking lips. <laughs> And he just popped for it. And uh, nothing ever happened. It was just a girl I saw out walking on this track one day uh, when I was doing some exercises myself, okay? But there was a dugout there, and I kept thinking, ooh, if we walked near that dugout at the same time, hmm. She was fine. So, again, nothing happened. But then several years later, I saw Bobby at a show, and um, he we hadn't seen each other. The first thing he said after we said, he said, Bobby, how, how's your sex life? <laughs> and I started laughing, and he goes, man, the way you described that girl. And I said, the one with the cocksucking lips. And he's like, yeah. I said, I told you nothing ever happened, but they was pretty lips, man. So, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if you uh, searched for that on the Internet or not, Joe. Uh, Joe, goddamn, <laughs> got me all excited here, Jeremy. Uh, you said you might come up something different if you search those um, lips on the internet. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I always get careful <laughs> when I search things. This weird shit seems to pop up. Um, yeah. I, I do kind of feel like I have to get that Tommy Wiseau clip in there. Hey, Mark, how is your sex life? <laughs> Hey, you know that's that's kind of where we, we our first episode was was you know <laughs> hi Bobby because right, we yeah. we pop we pop for that um, oh hi Mark <laughs> mm -hmm. we pop for that man oh man yay the room the room we, it's uh, we're going we said we was going to do it I don't know if we ever will. And uh, hey, wrestling fans, we're still out of here. We're going to get to Bobby in just a minute. We've yeah, got a yeah. fun list for you. But um, we was going to do a watch party on how we can do it of The Room one day. Uh, and maybe invite some more people that can dig that movie, too. And you have you some beer out there in California. I'll have me some here and whoever wants to join it. And we'll just watch that um, and, and, and do one. That, that might be fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you are a fan of... Uh, Tommy Wuzo, is that how you say it? Uh, Tommy oh, Wiseau, but... Um, Wiseau, so 
the I've, room. I've got a friend down in L.A. I don't don't really talk to him much anymore, but he was a real heavy supporter of this show when you and I first started. Okay. Uh, and his name's Joe, and Joe does a podcast about uh, the G.I. Joe cartoons where he does. Yes, yeah. yes. I follow him as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to him for a while, but so okay. Joe went through a period of time where every time he went somewhere, he ran into Tommy Wiseau. Like, oh, wow. It was like at the <laughs> bank, at, at a restaurant, <laughs> crossing the street, you know, just shit like that. Yeah. And I was like, so is this guy stalking you or what? He's like, I'm <laughs> kind of thinking maybe. He may know? have been doing a film about him without yeah. even telling him, you know. <laughs> hey, I heard an interesting theory about the room the other day. What's uh, that? I heard it was a, a way to launder either mob or drug money. Seems like I heard something about that because that just came out of nowhere. He was like working at like a, what, a Levi factory or something there in San Francisco they or something. Don't, they and, don't fucking know. That's the thing. That yeah. Nobody knows um, anything about this and, guy. And he was saying he was like 42 out of New Orleans and he's got that <laughs> accent. He's like 60 some. Yeah. Like, where did this come from? You know. Well, he said um, something to Joe about being a little boy in Germany. So, but you know what? Oh. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're I gonna, thought he was Polish. Well, so. I would have said Polish with that last name, but it turns out that last name is a fucked up version of a French word. Um, okay. And then with that accent, I would have said Polish, but no, I'm, I'm apparently off base. Um, okay, so we're going to do the room. We're going to do a watch through. I will figure out the venue, but I'm going to see if we can get Joe in there with us as well. Sounds good. And any of our wrestling fans out there, if you're familiar with what we're talking about, which I hope we have not lost you at this point, about four <laughs> minutes in, stick with us. Uh, you're welcome to join it too if Jeremy can figure out the. Um, yeah, I'll figure out the venue. You know, I'll figure the, out the way we yeah. can do it. And uh, Sounds good. Yeah, because that. I, I Sounds that, good. I, <laughs> for the worst movie ever made, apparently. <laughs> the Citizen Kane of bad movies. There yeah. you go, man. Yeah. yeah. All it, right. It makes Plan 9 from Outer Space look like a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. I, I, that was going to be my next comparison. Uh, yeah. And that was a Seinfeld reference, which we were talking about before we went on the air, and we'll leave that there. <laughs> what do you mean you um, finished? What do you mean he middled with my finish? Yeah, exactly. Hey, no, come on, man. Uh I'm going to leave the finish to the end on mine, okay? Exactly. Uh, but knowing me, I might finish first and quick. I'm just saying. Oh, you know, uh, there's always that, too, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes no. you grab the DDT as quick as you can. I'm going for long on that. I'm I'm two-year plan. <laughs> two-year plan. Okay, fave. Okay, fave. Okay, so uh, real quickly, man, I want to uh, – I don't know if you got any shout-outs or not. I do. Um I just want to shout out to uh, the Time Warp. I want to put Earl over big time, man, for having me down there and uh, his staff and the hospitality that was uh, uh, bestowed upon myself. I appreciate it. I appreciate Joe Pace uh, coming down as well. I had several members of the um, FTC, the Art of Grappling School, stop by. I had Judy Ray Hendricks stop by. I had uh, Titan Troy stop by. Uh, uh, Brock's Boulder stopped by. Um, Bubbles stopped by. Believe it or not, Bubbles did stop by. Um, uh, he said he still had your number, Jeremy, just so you know. Uh, just kidding. Just Fuck, kidding. I must, I must have been uh, drinking a lot that weekend. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, my brother, my nephew, and uh, my little granddaughter and uh, her mama come down by there and saw me. 
But um, I had a really good time, and I had a real steady flow of people the entire time I was there. Cut some promos for uh, Facebook Live. I had a good turnout. I was very, very pleased um, to represent the city of Ashland in Ashland at the Ashland Town Center, courtesy of the Time Warp. And um, I got a message today, and it was, um, I'm just going to leave this person anonymous. Hadn't heard from this person for a while, um, so I'm going to leave it where it's at. But I'll know where I get this text. I know them well enough that it's in my phone. And it just says, I just stopped in Time Warp. They said your meet and greet went great. Nothing but praise from the employees. That is great news to get that kind of response in Ashland. Super proud. So um, anyway, I thought that's pretty cool, man. I do know who sent it. It meant a lot to me. And um, again, thank you, Earl. Thank you, Time Warp. Thank all the good employees down there. Thanks to the uh, Art of Grappling, students that stopped by, my family, and all the good fans. Several of y'all listen to this uh, uh, podcast. I know Andy Best and Case Kamei, they, they, Jeremy, they listen to it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, hey, they had this stuff. They, I don't know, man. They they come down and support. They've been several shows, man. They're getting, they're really getting in this pro wrestling thing. They're, they're the fans of the show, but they they are super wrestling fans too. That's always cool right to on. you know. When you meet yeah. a wrestling fan, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's really cool, man. I mean, you know. And uh, anyway, thanks and um, good response from Ashland. I'm I'm very proud of it to be honest with you. Um, you know, you know me, I got to try my best to stay positive and, and good vibes only, man. And it, it was a lot of good vibes, man. A lot yeah. of good vibes. Uh, so. Ashland, do people not normally go out and support local, local quote unquote celebrity it's, types? Or? Yes. It's, yeah, it's been in between on that for a while now. It's, and then, you know, if everything going on in the world, I, you know, I guess some people, you know, um, might say something hateful about other people or whatever, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't. Yeah, I don't want to really get into it, but yeah, that's that's what's kind of happened before, Jeremy. A little bit. I won't. I don't know if the. This is not me personally. I'm just saying there there are people that are you know I you know famous. uh, I don't don't consider myself famous or a celebrity or what have you. But I'm I try to stay humbled. I try not to take things personally, good or bad. You know, that's why I put quotes. I had a good experience. Leave your humility in place. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know. There, you hear them talking about other other people that have done successful things from this area, and they, they kind of bury them sometimes, you know, or don't show support. And I'm I'm not one of those people. I'm with several people that um, that I've always tried to support, you know, local businesses or or when some event comes and they have, you know, come to town. I'm I'm more like you know, uh, even if I'm behind the scenes, I'm like, okay, this is a good thing for Ashland. And then you're gonna have people at bitch that there's nothing to do, but that's okay, um, you know. Uh, I'm still here for a reason, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and that's one of those things I always try to, it's, you know, obviously not during the pandemic, but when I was doing Geekish Cast, I would go to all the local um, uh, conventions when they had them. And yeah. I'd, I'd get a table, but I'd also go around, and I'd try to spend four or 500 bucks just on local local yeah. people doing local shit, you know, because, like, I, yeah. you know. A lot of guys who are busting their ass, you know, comic book publishers the same way as a pro wrestler. You're out there, you're busting your ass, you're picking up dimes, you're getting, you know, scrambling up all the work you can, promoting yourself everywhere you go. It's important that if your friends are doing that, you are out there supporting them. Yeah. What's cool is, check this out, you would have spent some money last night. Whether you'd have bought Bobby Blaze merchandise, I don't know. I had books and t-shirts for sale. 
signs free autographs. Um, I never charge for an autograph, and Earl was kind enough to have some uh, free eight by tens of me made up so I could sign them and give them out. He took care of that part of it. But um, I saw several of the students. Uh, won't mention any names, but a couple of them was over buying cards. Uh, there was a, they had some WCW packs. They had some uh, uh, older WWF pack. I think the pack we looked at from '91 was WCW, and I think the uh, WWE was like 2001 packs. So I know people that you know were purchasing other merchandise too off of Earl and at the Time Warp. You know, sure, um, sure. He's got a cool store, man. Very cool. I have to see some pictures as they come in. Um, so you can put them up on our website because we need to let people know about our website, man. We Bell, have a website, folks. Yes, Belltobellblaze.com. Go visit it. Yeah. We've got, um, right now we've got some shirts for sale. <laughs> I'm getting ready to buy me a pin me, pay me t-shirt. Um, and if I'm, I bought one, I've got also Jeremy, just so you know, I've got tinyrl.com slash blaze shirts. If you go to that, there's some pretty nice shirts on it. I bought me a ringer shirt the other day. And um, so I paid full price. I'm not complaining about that. And um, it's a really uh, Sparks Third Coast. Thank you. And I bought me a ringer shirt, Joe. And it's uh, Joe. Well, I've been with Who Joe the fuck fucking is this like Joey guy. Jo- Joe Pace. I've been with Joe for like the last two weeks we've been together. All the stu- students, all the shows we've done. We had a show this past Thursday, a county fair. I mean, I, you got to realize we're at the camp. We have been spending the last, out of 14 days, I think we spent the last 12 together. All, all the people from the camp on and off at some capacity. Sorry about that. Jeremy, professor, God damn it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, now you may forget. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kingslayer shirt, man. It's got Bobby the Kingslayer blaze on it. I bought me one, but I said this. If I'm not going to buy my own shirt, who the hell will? You know what I'm saying? So I bought me one, and I've got some new shirts made that had a character on them. I've never had this kind of shirt before. I'm going to send you one out, uh, first chance I get. Those are going to be available. And then hopefully the vintage blaze ones, I'm going to be calling collar and elbow uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday and uh, be ordering some more of those T-shirts, too, to have on um, any indie dates or anything I pick up along the way. So, um, yes, we got some T-shirts on our website. Go check it out, man. Uh com, right? Yep, belltobellblaze.com. I try to keep it all consistent. Um, yeah, we're yeah, trying to. Yeah, exactly. So I noticed I come up with a new nickname for you. And there's a whole merchandising fucking thing by the time I get back to seeing you again. I, I just can't help but notice that. What is it? I called you the Kingslayer, and now all of a sudden there's a whole... And then what happens? It blows up? fucking t-shirt business built around this thing now. Yeah, Next thing okay. I know, you're going to be putting it on coffee mugs and fucking shoestrings or something. Probably. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have some coffee mugs. Should I reveal what's going to be on those for the Bell to Bell Blaze podcast? Yes. You know what it's going to say. A coffee mug. And again, uh, this is like three or four minds working, folks, not just mine. Uh, professor has something to do with this Sparks Third Coast, and I suspect another couple people. First thing in the morning, you go get that morning Joe. There you go. Throw it in there on you. <laughs> get that Java. Um, you can have a mug that says, pin me, pay me. 
Yeah. Well, see, I'm, not in Cal- I'm in California, so I need a mirror that says it. But, you know, okay. morning, morning, morning <laughs> gotcha. boost is morning boost. Either Just way. write that on your damn mirror and look in a mirror every day. I don't know. Right, right above your forehead. And then below it, put Mark. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I know this, yeah. Professor. This is the one Professor come up with. We're also pushing for this. If we can get this one. You want to reveal the other one you want you got for the T-shirt? Uh. Daddy said sell, I think. Is <laughs> Daddy the... said sell. Yeah. Ooh, we're getting some of those, hopefully, man. And, yeah. and uh, uh, like I said, I think you might have a few um, uh, girls that walk the street wearing those shirts, man. I, so I Daddy said sell. Guys and girls walking the street wearing that shirt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think all the wrestling fans will be on the end on it. The girls will be like, uh, I don't know, man. My old man said wear this. And <laughs> there you have it. I'm wearing it. There you go. <laughs> Hey, man, you think we ought to do 10 reasons we love Bobby Eaton? I think somebody should, and if we don't do oh, it, who right. will? Yeah, and if they do it, they're probably not doing it the way we're doing it because we're giving you the best 100% legit, but I just about guarantee it. If you're doing a Bobby Eaton list, most of this will be on there, and also, more importantly, we're, we're remembering a, a fine human being, uh, uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world of all time, and we're gonna we're gonna make this fun and hope you enjoy our top ten. But this is the official list right here on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. That's right. Well, okay. Now keep in mind we, we're upside down here. So Bobby, yeah, we are. Yeah. I just about said number one. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm gonna lead off just to make sure that I'm trying yes. to conduct us in the proper order here. Gotcha, Bobby Eaton, number ten. He is the most underrated wrestler. Yeah, he was, man. And we had him on that one YouTube video text put out for us. We've had him on our list before. I would just about say, uh, I'm not going to just about say, I'm going to go out and say it. Uh, I'd guarantee it. That That's probably Arn's favorite talent enhancement right there, beautiful Bobby Eaton. You know, uh, but he was underrated. Uh, you know, he was he, he was so good. But I don't, I don't know, even on top of the world, uh, with some of these tag teams we're going to mention and stuff, I don't know that, you know, outside the industry, the fans really appreciated just how good Bobby Eaton was, you know, in the fans' eyes, definitely underrated. Not in the guys' eyes, but the boys' eyes. Well, I was going to say, saying. The, the, the boys probably, you know, they recognized, they saw exactly what it was. The fans, I yeah. think you've got to be, I think you've got to be giant fucking wrestling nerds like us. Yeah. To really, you know, to really pick out a, like a Bobby Eaton as like a right, big guy, right, right. You know? That's why I get you know fans probably in their eyes he's just, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to use enhancement talent, and, yeah. and we know that's not the case. Uh, as we go through some of these teams he is with and this st- stuff, I'll say this, and, and I said it off the air, and it's not going to give anything away to me. This was this is uh, is a huge statement for his career. If you ask me, he always stayed booked from the time he broke in. Uh, he was always working, man, all the way towards, you know, till he started having some health issue a couple of years ago. Think about that. That's hard to do, to yeah. stay booked like that. And we're going to go way back, way back to um, early 80s with, with our list today. But, um, you know, from 76 through 80, uh, he was staying booked regular then. Um, if you listen to Corny's show, he talked about with working for Goulas and going down to Georgia and then coming over to Jarrett's, you know. So from that time on, and he always had a, you know, different things happen throughout his career in WCW. But, you know, he was always one of the ones they got right back on contract, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if it expired or whatever, you know, he was always, he always had a position, you know, uh, but yeah, I think the boys knew, 
more than a utility man, and why aren't they pushing Bobby higher to the top or whatever, no matter how high he got on the card. It was just like I think in a, a lot of people just um, uh, very kept him very underrated, under the radar, like you said, unless you're one of the – Hopefully, I think our listeners understand what we're saying there because our listeners going to say, yeah, uh, he's probably one of the best in the world, man. Well, we got, Why are you putting him on an underrated list? Well, it's only because we, the fans. We have a very, like when it comes to pro wrestling, we have a very sophisticated and fucking like in the know kind of audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've got like, the, we got the smart mark group and, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's, yeah. we're a bunch of giant nerds here. That's what it comes Yeah. Well, to. let me tell you, let me real quickly here, just so everyone knows, and I think our fans do get this, but if you're new to the program, we're not saying Bobby Eaton was underrated by, you know, inside the wrestling, the boy stuff. And I want to say, yes, I had someone uh, uh, come up to me. Uh, X-Pac, thank you very much. I'm going to put drop that in there. Here's why. Uh, apparently, he started doing his new podcast, and um, the producer probably has not seen anything before the 80s or know much about my career, but they were doing this grab bag thing. Uh, porn star or jobber? And my name come up, and X-Pac ripped him a new one. And he said, neither. Bobby Blaze was neither, you know, uh, porn star. Well, I'm not making it there. And then Jobber, he just defended that, that no, you know, he was more than that and put me over on his podcast. I appreciate that Xbox. So if anyone's new listening and don't understand our, the way we do things, we're not saying Bobby Eaton was an underrated worker by any means. And, uh, Way up there, if you want to go with uh, great workers, you know, in the world. So, uh, just the way he's perceived sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, so. I was listening to the Shivani uh, podcast, and they were talking about Bobby Eaton. And um, his, his host, Conrad, brought up something I found really, really interesting to, like, entertain as a thought. That when Bobby Eaton was active, everybody had to be six foot five and chiseled out of fucking marble. <laughs> but but nowadays, guys, you know, smaller guys, less less well developed guys, guys like uh, Brian Daniels, um, you know, these guys are becoming stars. He he was like making the point that this might have been like a time that Bobby Eaton would have blown up. Mm. People could have really seen what somebody like him would do. Yeah, in his prime at this time. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And think about all the talent out there he could be working with right now. If oh, he yeah. had a shot, you know, a lot of, a lot of talented athletes out there, um, in ring performers. Um, yeah. Uh, and he could have been, let's put this together as a singles. It's going to drop us up to number mm-hmm. nine. Let's just go at so number 10, most underrated number nine. If he was fighting these guys today, <clears throat> excuse this word performing, mm-hmm. uh, just saying he could have been the TV champion, Oh, yeah. you know? Bobby Eaton was a TV champion, singles TV champion. Yeah. So we'll talk about a singles career a little bit if you like. Well, yeah. So Bobby, I mean, I think he started as a singles wrestler. Um, yes. You know, he was down with Nick Goulas, I think, is where he started. Yes. Yes. And and one of the things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference a lot of stuff I heard uh, Jim Cornette say. It's yeah. First match, I just remember this real quickly, mm-hmm. uh, was against um, Bobcat Wright, I think. Is that who it was? Oh, you might be right. I actually have I, to go look I, it up, I, but I think you yeah, might I'm, be I'm, right. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm on there. Um, I'm pretty sure that was his first match down there. I uh, could be wrong. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Bearcat Wright. I said Bobcat. Oh, Bearcat yeah, Wright. Bearcat. My bad. I knew I, I knew I was off, but I said, yeah, his first match was uh, May of 1976 at the age of 17. Um, he made his debut on NWA Men America. Uh, with a loss to Bearcat Wright. No, so he was last-minute replacement. He'd been sitting in the ring up since he was 13, 
And um, like you said, I know I'm going to let you go ahead. I think if you haven't, excuse me, already done so, not that he needs us to send you over there, but go listen to Corny's podcast about Bobby and you'll get the in-depth because that's where I got a lot of stuff from him too. But go ahead, Professor, lead us on. <laughs> well, so uh, one of the fir- one of the first things that uh, Jim Cornette was talking about with um, uh, Brian on that show uh-huh. was that at the time, Nick Goulis was the only guy who would hire Randy Savage. Apparently, he had been blacklisted from everybody else. Okay. So I put Randy Savage and Bobby Eaton in a lot of matches together, and they together kind of developed that high-flying style. You know, Bobby did it his way, and, you know, Randy did it his way, but they kind of working together started doing more innovative and more creative things just as a way to keep each other kind of, like, entertained and going. Um, so I thought that was interesting. That Bobby's most of his career and what most of us would know him for would be his tag team work. Yes. But then when Jim and Stan bolted from WCW, they left Bobby on his own. Now, during this period of time, Bobby would then become the TV champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was working for the first time as a singles wrestler since 1979. So, wow. Yeah, that long? That long. That long. Yeah. Um, so it kind of creates this interesting thing. And I did not know this, but he is the guy who lost the title to um, stunning Steve Austin. Okay. I didn't okay. realize that it was him, but yeah. I, I know there's a stunning Steve Austin and Bobby Eaton match on YouTube. I don't know it's for the TV title, but I have watched several. I was trying to watch, I actually was trying to watch more of the tag team stuff with Rock and Roll and a Fantastics, but that did pop up and I didn't actually watch it. So I don't know if that's when when he lost it to Austin or not. But um, of course, Austin, I guess, apparently has put him over big time too on. Um, on his podcast. Well, so I, I, I don't think anyone's not going to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why we was joking about ours being the official. Uh, well, we, we are for this podcast. That's right. <laughs> you know? um, now, one of the things I'm going to reference here, and I, I think this is probably the most interesting and creative thing in here that I have heard. And Jim Cornette would have no reason to bullshit about it. But Bobby Eaton did get a couple shots at Ric Flair's world title. Yes. Yeah. There's a 12, almost 13-minute match with Flair on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a class of a champ, clash of the champions. I'm not sure which one, but he, he. I guess there was heat with Hurd there. Why would why would he go out there, Flair do that and this and that? But he didn't even want, according to Cornette, Flair didn't even want to beat Eaton. Nope. He wanted to give him a DQ or something. Yeah. He's like, I, you know, I can go out here and have a match with him and do a DQ and still get my shit over. It's Bobby Eaton, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I heard that too, and I, I – that that right there tells you everything you need to know about Bobby Eaton. When the world champion, like, I'm going to go on this pay, uh, well, it wasn't pay-per-view. That, of course, the, that was the alternate to the pay-per-view of the class of champions. Yeah. I'm going to go out here and, and, and tear the house down, which they do, but he wasn't, even gonna, he wasn't gonna, you know, go over. He was going to go over by DQ or something, but, you know, he wasn't going to pin Bobby or beat Bobby. Yep. So, so then Jim Hurd, of course, yeah, like you were saying, Jim Hurd loses his shit. Yeah, and so Ric Flair's trying to you know smooth it out or whatever, and so Jim Cornette goes, "Well, kick all of our asses." In the- yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's kind of how they balance that out. Was then like yeah. they all three got beat the shit out of by Ric Flair. Um, I just know uh, it's it's like when you've got a guy who's like such a good guy that you're you know people are just like I don't I don't want to beat him. I mean, yeah, just, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's all it comes down to is I just I don't want to <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, well, I got beat by him. That's going to lead to number eight. How's that? Number eight, 
of the top 10 reasons we love Bobby Eaton. I love this. His flying knee drop from the top rope, man. It was beautiful. And um, he dropped it on me in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He was there working some singles at that time. Uh, what we were just talking about. So I got the pleasure early on in my career. Cornette put me in there with them. And, uh, you know, I had put out several tweets uh <coughs> Back, you know, when he passed away there, and I had actually Bob Eaton. I had known him before I actually got in the in the business, only because I was such a fan. And he was one of the guys that would actually, um, if there wasn't a lot of other people around, we kind of made a connection. And I'd always speak to him before the shows, either Huntington or Charleston. And he'd actually come over behind the curtain and, hey, boy, how you doing? You know, and just that is Bobby, and uh, I just happened to be me, and we connected. Um, so when he got to smoke, when I got to smoke him out, he has, he had been there, uh, and basically, you know, just TV match, man, and good stuff. Uh, I think it's out there on YouTube. I know I've got it on DVD around here somewhere. But uh, the finish, basically, man, he gave me that backbreaker, um, set, spun me out, went to the top, man, and he flew across three-fourths of the way across that ring. And that knee come down, just brushed me, boom, one, two, three, pin me, pay me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Um I'd gladly take it again, and he could drop it from heaven above now, and I guarantee it to still be as light as can be, man, because he's going to look after you in there. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was uh, – I just loved that move, and then I'm on the receiving end of it. Of course, I trusted a guy. He's truly professional and, um, you know, done the right thing. And I'm glad I got to share a ring with him as a single wrestler, you know. Um for someone that's known throughout their career, if we talked about it, tag team specialist, uh, I got to do a singles with them. And I don't know, it's, I don't know, five or seven minutes, however long Corny gave us for TV there. But um, that counts the music or whatever. But uh, he come up to me, uh, very professional. That's the way you do things. It just, you know, it's one of these things, uh, the better you are, the less you really need to talk about. You know, yeah. I don't like talking about every little thing. And basically, um, Bobby, you know, we was on the sheet together in production, and he says, uh, uh, what do you do? Give me a couple ideas. And I wanted to do a Japanese arm drag and a couple of thighs. So I do a high knee, and he said, okay. And um, he goes, well, I got a couple, you know, you know my stuff? I said, yes, sir, I do, you know. And uh, knowing Bobby Price, they don't call me sir. I don't know. I don't think he may have. He said, <laughs> I, you know yeah. what I do? And I was like, I, was, I said, yes, sir, you know, to him. And um he goes, uh, all right, look here, I'll get with you. Uh, let's take a break here and I'll get with you in just three minutes. I'm like, cool. Walked away, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes past whatever. Come back over and he goes, here, uh, show me, you want to do that Japanese arm drag? Uh, this is how I think we can work it in. You want to do, um, let's see, what's the other thing? I, uh, oh yeah, let's work this in. Um, you know, and that was it. And he worked right around it. And, um, I put in a couple, you know, little things on him that, that he worked it in to where I got a couple spots, you know, yeah. um, where I come out on top. I did the, uh, like I said, I did the uh, Japanese arm drag, threw him in, shot him off. He took it, but it all led to him getting over, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, to finally, uh, like I said, I even got the high knee and done this, spun him around and boom, 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 blah, blah, blah. And that was that. He's next thing you know, he's backbreaker me going to the top, but that flying knee drop, I loved when he'd done it on people, you know. And I asked him in Vancouver, I was like, what's it like, man? He's like, what? And I go, you know, to be one of the best in the world, you're one of the earliest high flyers of all time. 
and he just like, hey, hey, you know, just just not trying to kayfabe or anything. He just just you know mumbled around like, oh well, I go because that knee drop, man, is fucking, you know, this is uh, this is six or seven years after the fact we dropped it on me. We've you know yeah. been out long since we've been in Smokey together. Now here we are on WCW, and he's still dropping it. You know when they give him an opportunity to, and uh, we had been doing all those spots we done. Of that motion capture between Lash and Bobby, myself and Sarge, we done over six hundred moves for that that first video game. So the knee drop was obviously brought in. You know who's yeah. going to do that for the motion capture? Bobby Meaton, You know, so um, yeah, he just he just done it. He he didn't try to put it over. Early we was talking about being humble. He was just so humble about it. You know. Yeah, I uh, got I got two questions based sure. off of this for you. Um, what was Bobby's working punch like? Uh, the best, the best, um, the only, I'm going to throw this out there cause it's kind of an inside rib. I don't even know if he listens anymore. If he does, uh, tell, if he doesn't tell him Bob Cook had one of the greatest all time working punches ever. And I used to rib him and I'd say, Bob, you do Terry Funk better than Terry Funk. And I go, I'd tell him sometimes you almost do Bobby Eaton's punch better than Bobby Eaton, but you got the second greatest working punch, Bob Cook, in the business because no one had ever beaten Bobby Eaton for a working punch. It was fantastic, you know, awesome. Yeah, awesome. and then and then did you want to work in a uh, an arm drag trying to make up for when you didn't arm drag uh, Bam Bam? Is that what you were working on there? <laughs> Uh, my, my, actually, I had wrestled Bobby. Uh, the Bam Bam was a little bit later, actually. Yeah, so I did, yeah, I know, maybe. I know what no, no, I, I can yeah. see where you're going, Fat. Yeah. No, that's very observant. I got you. Yeah, probably no, because uh, one, I know Bobby eating a little bit better, and I'm like have like I won't say a trust issue, but like I know I can work with this guy. Bam Bam, I'm thinking. I was, the last time I saw him, he's out there fucking power bombing and suplexing the hell out of all these Japanese guys and killing people with uh, Doctor Death over in uh, Japan, you know. And I'm like, ooh, it's just a matter of time. He just picks me up, and drops me on my, <laughs> you know. Fortunately, it didn't. It went very, very well with Bam Bam and Tommy Rich and and the matches I had with them. But uh, yeah, no, I was like, you're, yeah, no, that was just more of a re- more respect thing, you know. Yeah, um, no, I got you with Bam Bam. I was just like, uh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, not to, not to get too far off topic. That's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, it's like. Um, okay, I don't want to fucking drag Bam Bam, but yeah, but yeah, but if I don't, he's gonna kick my ass. But what if I do yeah. when something goes wrong? He's gonna kick my ass. Yeah, so I just I I made a quick you know on the I just ran I just rung his arm again and tightened it up. I sensed up with an arm bar and he like arm drive like I just like I got you I got you and I like tagged Robert real quick. I was right there in our corner. I tagged Robert Gibson because it was a tag team with, with uh, Tommy Rich. And I was like, still thinking, I got to take that power bomb of the finish. This fucker better catch me, you know. And Rich was going backdrop me as a finish. Rich backdrop me, and Bam Bam caught me in the air. And uh, like, oh, okay. Oh, and at that point, Bam Bam wasn't catching to me people too high then. Yeah. So um, I was, I was, yeah, right decision. But Bobby Eaton, you could have caught anything, and he would have worked it in to make you look good because you know he's from that school, the old school, the right school, really, where. I want to make my opponent look good because when I win the match, I look that much better, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, the flying knee drop. Let's go to number seven. Number seven is the Blue Bloods. 
when he was oh, Earl. Oh, man. Earl Robert Eaton. Yes. Uh, Earl Robert Eaton. Yeah, Earl is a very Southern first name, but it's apparently also a uh, uh, title for uh, rich, aristocratic assholes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's with Lord Stephen Regal. Lord Stephen Regal. Yeah. And they done those skits. Uh, and Bobby, I remember two things about it. He was in L.A., Doing a skit, and he had those. He had on this the suit and thing, but he had on these white socks. <laughs> like it was, is uh, I don't think he was in the uh, the British outfit. He was he's still like an American suit, but like a maybe a leisure suit, or maybe one step above. I mean, he wasn't dressed like Ric Flair, you know, in, yeah. in a, in a uh, whatever. He he had him a country country boy white suit on. But it showed his shoes and socks, and he had them shoe with white socks, and it just was like so out of place, but so southern. It was so funny. Yeah. And then he later told me, um, and I, I take it from someone. Apparently, Jeremy WCW. There's a list going around of what people made in this nap, but little old Robert Smedley out there, he still owes WCW a dollar. Well, thanks to our good friend William Harding, he set up a, a GoFundMe and someone raised five dollars to pay off WCW for the dollar I owe him. But my point of the story is, Bobby Eaton told me because we had calendars and I was looking for royalties off that calendar. Which WCW got my fucking birthday wrong? That's all right. I was on the calendar. What's not all right, though, <laughs> is I didn't get any royalties off of it. There's my image. There's my likeness. Here's the contract. You pay me. That's what it says, but uh, not so we got screwed on the calendars. But Bobby Eaton apparently they done the Blue Blood Dolls, and he didn't get a dime from that. So if WCW do right, get out there and take care of that. Well, he told me he didn't. Him they did the posing, they did all the stuff. He saw them come out. There was a limited run of them, and he didn't get a dime. I and believe, I can believe it. I believe that means Vince McMahon owes the uh, Bobby Eaton. Uh, Oh, what do you call it? Uh, estates the money. There uh, you go. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that's what he told me. He said he never, he never saw any money off the dolls. Now, I don't know if anyone out there has seen them. Uh, text them to me or Jeremy uh, or our Twitter account. That's a joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. Hit the professor up at the Geek of Cast or hit me up at Bobby Blaze 744. If you got one of those blue blood figures, uh, if you're a collector, and I just had someone send me some stuff today by DM they bought uh, over the weekend at an indie show somewhere, uh, AWA stuff. Anyway, point being, if you got a blue blood dolls or especially a Bobby, well, send me a picture. I like to see that. And if I'm not mistaken, there's only a few thousand sold. So you might be holding on to something very, very valuable, just so you know as well. Uh, and my advice to be is you've had one, it probably has more sentimental value to you than it does any cash value. That's what I would think. Yeah, so I'll so, give you $5 for it is what we're getting yeah, <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, the Blue Bloods. Man, that was about 95, 96. Um, once again, in a tag team. And uh, mid-card push, I guess. Staying active on TV. You know, I don't think they took them straight to the top, but they didn't, you know. They they were mid more mid card at that point, weren't they? Uh, yeah. They didn't they didn't bury main thing they didn't bury him in a deck. You got and you gotta realize, I'll say William Regal, but Steve Regal, um, Lord Steve man, he's such a tremendous worker as well. Uh, selling with his facial expressions and the way he worked, uh, right in between uh, just being so light to he can go a little bit snugger and being so professional with it. And then you put on Bobby Eaton, um, they probably could have had a match with anyone in the world. 
oh. anyone. Uh, yeah, I'd put those two. Um, I, I would drop those two into a match with anybody without even any time from the work shit out ahead of time. Just like, yeah, if you just said bell time, yep, and them guys, two would be there, and it'd still be a fucking five star match. Yeah, you guys go, you know, because like I think in, uh, we've talked about this before. You know, uh, Stephen Regal, William Regal, one of the out and out best wrestlers period ever just out now absolutely and, and, absolutely yeah and i would say bobby eaton it's probably that same sort of thing like he may not be the first name in everybody's head but if you understood how he worked and you saw how he carried the matches he's yeah. right there with him you know yeah absolutely absolutely man you know what steven regal did better than anybody else in the world though what's that we looked at the audience and looked at his opponents like they stunk like shit yeah, all oh, that the, facial man, you know, that look on his face, just that. Oh, get the get away, peasant. Uh, yeah, peasant. That's why I'm gonna say peasants. Yeah. Everyone's peasant to him. Yeah, what a, that guy could go, man. And I got to share the ring with him a couple times too. So that's another story we'll save for another day. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to we'll, talk about him at some point. Yeah, we will. But let's go to number six, and this one is going way back. Uh, I put Ishus on there because I know it was around 81, and it probably ended in 83. It could have been started, though. I think Hart may have had it in 80-ish, but it could have been. But 81, 83, it's very active, and that's uh, Jimmy Hart's first family. Bobby Eaton was a member of that. And um, that's with the, uh, you know, with Jarrett's um, organization, the Mid-South. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Continental uh, Wrestling. CWA. Yeah. Uh, CWA, thank you. Um, and uh, anyway, he got to, um, at Fraction, they had, um, oh, he broke up Sweet Brown Sugar, I guess. Um, and I'm trying to think here. Um, well, I watched so Jimmy Hart, I'm trying to look at that. Who was? I'm trying to look at who was in. So he broke up with um, Stagger, well, Sweet Brown Sugar, that was his tag team partner. But I'm trying to... Uh, the Moon Dogs, that's part of that, right? I believe so. Um, I watched the match last night. It was um, it was Bobby Eaton and uh, Coco Ware versus right. the Fabulous Ones. Okay, yeah. I knew they battled them. That was an interesting watch um, because there's Stan Lane versus Bobby Eaton, and that was kind of yeah. wild. Eaton you know? faced Stan Lane several times in a tag team competition. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. I'm. I'm. Uh, Jeremy, you need to kick me right in the ass on this. I'm trying to think who he had to. I'm trying to think of who are. Oh, Buddy Landell had been in a, a first family, correct? Oh yeah. You know what? Let me. I'm trying to think of who was in the first family. I'm I, sorry, Bobby. Uh, the Moon Dogs. I think Buddy was in there at one time. Um, let me. I hear you typing away, Professor. Yeah, but let I'm. Go, I'm let me go get a list. Yeah, get a picture of that because I, I, I should have been more prepared for this. I knew Moon Dogs, Buddy. Uh, Jimmy Hart's army. I'm trying to think who else he had in there. The okay, first are, family. I are, mean, are we ready? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna yes. do this now. Okay, Norval, do it. Norval Austin, Ox Baker, King Kong Bundy, Dennis Condry, Sabu the Wildman, Chick Donovan, Bobby Eaton, Wayne Ferris, Buddy Landell, yes. Austin Idol, uh, Masaito, um, Kamala, Andy Kaufman, Larry Latham, Kendo Nagasaki, Jim Neidhart, Lanny Poffo, The Iron Sheet, Kevin Sullivan, Russian Invader, Lynn Denton. The Bruise Brothers, which would be Porkchop Cash and yes. Green Machine. Yes. Tony Anthony, Coco Ware, Rick Rude, Randy Savage, Eddie Gilbert, Tommy Rich. Fuck, man. That's a, that's Thank a you. group. That's a first family right yeah. there. Um, I was thinking about the um, uh, Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris. Uh, they come out as the Blonde Bombers. And uh, 
before he did the Honky Tonk Man gimmick, and he was like, uh, uh, hurt the man punk rock. He was punk rock Wayne Ferris. He kept getting a gimmick change like every couple of weeks at the time. And uh, that was the other blonde team I was trying to think of because I knew he had the Moondogs at this particular time. I knew he had Landell, uh, Bobby Eaton, uh, Norva Austin. I was forgetting that name. I knew I knew it was someone on there, that end of it. Um, so that's a whole list, man. Then eventually, oh my God. So he, yeah, that that would include all them guys he man- managed back in. But Bobby Eaton was early one to the um, to the first family. So. Good deal. I, I had deal. to do this as well just because it was said and it gets stuck in my head. The Blonde Bombers, originally a tag team consisting of Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen. Mm-hmm. Next, it was a uh, Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens used the name. I knew you'd bring that one up. Yep. yep. Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris. Yep. Stan Lane and Brian St. John. And then, I don't know I don't know these two here. Tank and Chad Toland. I guess they were in OVW. Um, okay, but there I and I that's not a full list because I've seen other teams right. called the blonde yeah. bombers, but yeah, I think I have two thirty years, you know. So um, that's one of those things that as soon as the name said, I, I have to go pull the list up. Because, yeah, because I knew your reference point is going to be Stevens and Patterson. Yeah, you know, and I know that the run here uh, back in that time, I was you know high school college. Uh, I knew it was Latham and Ferris, but. Um, that was very short lived, you know. They they eventually got different gimmicks, you know, at, at that different times there. Yeah. But um, so Hart's first family and Bobby Eaton was a member of that. So I'll just um, let me put a book plug in here, and then you take us number five. We're going we're going to stay with the tag teams um, after this one. Yep. How about that? All right, wrestling fans, listen up. The professor here was kind enough to take a couple of shortcuts to help you get per- help you to get to the links to my books that you can purchase. And if you do, this program gets a small kickback, and we appreciate it very much. But if you like my first book, it's called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost Will Travel. It's got over 110 um, ratings. Averages out to about a 4.5 star rating on Amazon. If you go to tinyrl.com slash blazebook1 that'll take you right to pin me pay me uh, please use that link again it's tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 a lot of praise in there a lot of good reviews uh, again I'm not letting myself get the big head all I ask for is a fair and honest review uh, Jeremy, you want to say it? Yeah. Uh, what's not a review? Not a review would be Bo- uh, Bobby and slash or Jeremy suck. That is not a yeah. review. That's an opinion. And that that's your opinion, yeah. not a review. So just give us a fair and honest review, whether it be on the books or the podcast. We'd appreciate that very much, uh, especially on Apple Podcast. Um, you know, Spotify would help too. So thank you. My second book. Uh, I kicked out on two, The Education of Wrestler. If you go to tinyrl.com slash blazebook2, it'll take you right to the link to Amazon. Again, the program gets a little bit of a kickback, um, and we appreciate it very much. So um, check that out. Um, while we're doing this, I'm going to do one more uh, plug, and that is if you go to tinyrl.com slash blaze shirts that'll take you to some new t-shirts uh the uh as you mentioned jeremy you said it on the air the kingslayer mm-hmm. and dennis out there it has bobby the kingslayer blaze on the really nice shirts i purchased one myself and um you know just give it a look 
get you one if you want one. Not trying to force it on you, but if you're a fan, I appreciate it. If you're a fan of this program, we got some other stuff pumping out that's going directly to this program, as we were joking around about earlier. We'll get that site up soon, too. Um, Jeremy, give them the, um, the uh, website one more time, yeah. and then we'll start back number five. Well, so the, the website itself is at belltobellblaze.com. Right on the first page, what you'll first see right off the top is the episodes of the show. If you mm. dig around a little bit, you'll be able to find the blog that we're going to be developing and other things besides that. Or, and we're going to have a guest area. So far, I've added um, uh, Ron Fuller, take a shot, and nobody else, but I'll get our other guests listed there. But I did want to say, guys, if you go to belltobellblaze.com slash store, the first two items you'll see are Bobby's books. Nice. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. And I am going to pick up one of those uh, Pin Me, Pay Me shirts this week, Monday or Tuesday. So uh, doing a lot of T-shirts lately. Um, and I'm going to get you one of mine with the character out there sent out to you soon. Yeah, well, it's, so, it's, and T-shirts probably the easiest merch to do, I would think. Yeah, and that's fun. You know, when I used to travel, I used to go to all the Harley shops. I didn't have a Harley, but I would, I would just buy a shirt or a hat at the Harley shops. I used to, you know, some people collected hats. I used to just collect T-shirts wherever I went. And uh, Hard Rocks. I always got uh, Hard Rock cafes. I went to almost, not all of them, of course, but a shitload of Hard Rock cafes, and I always buy a shot glass. I've got shot glasses. You know, we mentioned Vancouver there earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hollywood. Um uh, Baltimore. Uh, I didn't make it to the one in London. I'll say that I did not make it to the one in London. Um, yet, uh, Myrtle beach, uh, uh, all the different ones I've been to. That's too many to fucking name, but you know, all the hard rocks, uh, Orlando been to that one. I used to collect anyway, but t-shirts I'd get them. I usually did. I thought, okay, here's the easiest thing to get from each city. I didn't want some beach if I'm in Tampa or whatever, or whatever. I, I just said, you know what? Be cool. I'm gonna get Harley shirts. People identify with them. Oh, you've been to this Harley shop. And I like looking at the bikes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I like the shirts from different places. I even had a hard, uh, not hard actually I did have a hard rock from Hawaii, but I was going to say also I had a real nice Harley shirt from Hawaii too. So that's cool. You know, so you know, uh, anyway, we, we, t-shirts. Hold on. What we need as far as um, merch goes, Bobby? What's we, that? We need Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze shot glasses. Oh, man. That'd be nice. That's, Let's that's get what, them out there. That's what we need. Yeah. I I used to. I had a bar in the house I had, and um, I, I had all my stuff on display. Um, all my shot glasses. Uh, I got rid of a bunch of beer steins and uh, beer glasses during COVID. I'd had them in a freezer, I, but I've got all my shot glasses in a box. And one day I'm gonna make me a little bar area again and and put them out there. And I would be honored to have a Bobby Blaze shot glass or a Belt to Bell podcast uh, shot glass, whatever you can get on there, or just a pin me pay me shot glass. We're gonna drink one under here. <laughs> pin, pin me and pay me and have another damn shot. We need to get that's a good idea, Professor. Yeah, and that's why you are the professor. So yeah, that's we'll come up with something on that. Yeah, that's what we're going to need right there. It might need to be a double shot, though. <laughs> Pin me, pay me, you know, uh, upper or lower. Yeah, two and a half, three ounces, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I just say, um, had this chick come over one time several years back. Just, you know, she'd worked like a 12-hour shift. Picked her up and, and uh, out. It, no, it wasn't a dugout girl in Vancouver just saying. No, this is uh, – <laughs> she she was uh, – anyway, uh, 
I had some cherry vodka up in the freezer waiting on her that we had had. And, uh, you know, ma'am, I had me a couple Miller Lights, whatever. So she comes in about midnight after that long shift, you know. And um, uh, being a nurse and things like that, you know, that's a long-ass day. That is a long day. And I had I had some of the double shots. I actually was hard rock, and I had some single shots. And I said, uh, you know... As she come in, instead of having a beer, she drank some beer now, don't get me wrong, but I, she said, I believe I have a shot. And I said, you want a big girl shot? And she goes, yes, I do. So I poured a big two-ouncer in there, right? <laughs> she hit that, and by the time she took about three steps heading toward the bedroom, she said, whoo, i got to pull up my big girl panties. I should have had a regular shot, honey. And I said, <laughs> you get in that bedroom, and I'm pulling them down, and I'll tell you why you had you a double shot. Because <laughs> you're about ready to get the second one right now. <laughs> I've been waiting for your ass for 12 hours, you know what I'm saying? But no, them double shots will get you sometimes. So uh, beware of them if we sell to pin me, pay me uh Double or three ounce shots there, Jeremy. Yeah, those so, those will go to your head pretty quick, especially when yeah. we're playing the fuller uh, drinking game on this. Show. Oh yeah, well, see, you already mentioned that twice today at least. So we, uh, yeah, you be six ounces in right now. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, let's go to number five, Professor. Number five is going to be the Dangerous Alliance with Oh man, Molly Dangerously. And think about the talent that was in that group. All right, think you ready? about the talent. I'll, I'll go down the list right now. Do it again. Knock it out. Paulie Dangerously, obviously. Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, Medusa, Michael P.S. Hayes, Rick Rude, Steve Austin. Whew. Yeah. Man. That's a, that's Did you mention group. Larry Zabisco? Uh, Larry Zabisco, of course. Yeah, he's about middle okay. of the list there. Okay. I was just... Zoned out for about a half a second because I was thinking that uh, of those three, I was thinking, in my mind, other than Paul E., the ones that first come to mind. As soon as you said Medusa, but I was, I was thinking uh, Rude, Eaton, and Zabisco, mm. and then, of course, Arn. Oh, but I was yeah. like, that that's the core for me. So, yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, Paul E., uh, a lot of he done his job. Some people, a lot of people just hate Paulie, and I've heard all these different stories about him, but I've never had a deal with him. I'm just saying, as a manager, I mean that's that dangerous alliance from around '91, '92 ish on there. That was a hell of a group of people he had. Yeah, hell of a group of people. So, yeah, you can't leave that off your top ten, man. No. Well, you know what no. I got to bring up here because it's it's come up. We don't know a whole lot about it. But um, apparently, before uh, Corny and Stan Lane left WCW, Bobby and Stan were almost members of the Horsemen. You told me this. Fill me in. Now, I I didn't get the whole the whole gist of the story, but apparently that was the direction they were going. They were going to put the Horsemen back together, and I believe mm-hmm. it was going to be Flair, Arn, and then Bobby and Stan. Um, I'd like to do a little more research and make sure I'm nailing down the, the timing there. But as far as I can tell, that's, that's who it would have been. And, uh, look at, you know what that would have been. That'd have been world champion, Ric Flair, TV champion, Arn Anderson, tag team champions, uh, Bobby and Stan. Yeah. Can you imagine those four as the horsemen? That'd be a fucking strong group right there. That- you, may, you may not be able to do the, Hey, we're staying out drinking all night stories like you could have, but, um, the, that would have been a strong, strong grouping. That would have been just Man, like that knock, would have been. Yeah, knock you Yeah, it would have been a little bit different than a limousine ride, and that'd be Flair and Anderson, that, you know, with Tully. That that whole yeah. group clicked that away. Uh, but, man, 
if you put them two in there, just again, you know, like you say, it, that's just so solid. You got, like you said, you got world champion, you got TV champion, got the tag team champions. I mean, you're going to have it all. You're going to have it all right yep. there. Um, and here's a question, though. Yes. Here, here's a question. Let's put this out there. You got JJ managing. Is Jim Cornette a subordinate to the to the team or an advisor or vice versa? Do, does does oh that's I don't think I don't think you have Cornette over the four horsemen with 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 uh, Flair and Arn, but say he managed them and does talk, uh, does, um, excuse me does JJ take the more of a subordinate like well, I'm just going to be an investor or thinker? How how would the managers play or is Cornette not in a picture? Well, let's look at this. I think JJ was at uh, WWF at the time, wasn't he? Oh, okay, no, that, that might have been. A bit I'm early. thinking. I'd, I'd have to. Go yeah, I'm just trying to play it out. If those four were together, let's go alter universe. Yeah, you know, uh, those four come together. There's no. It's kind of like at um, uh, Club Hell on uh, this, when he mashed something together, and all the movies entwine, and all the mm-hmm. characters, fictional characters, meet. Even though these guys are real guys, uh, I'm just trying to ma- mesh them together. There, if you will, uh, do a mesh up. If you put those four together. Who who manages? Is that a question for the audience? Okay, Do you okay. have? Yeah, let's let's go to the audience I with it because I think it's JJ maybe, and then Cornette more of a subordinate, like coming to and saying we need to do this, this, and this, or vice versa. Is Cornette the manager, and JJ's like, you know, here's the thing, I'm gonna be the subordinate and be like, and I'm maybe using that word wrong that he may be a co-player, but saying like, uh, oh, I need to invest our money. I need to take care of the hotels or, or whatever it is. How does that work? Or do you say, no, okay. you know what? Hold, hold One on. manager only. Check this out. Okay. Here, here's okay. what I see. Here's what I see. Okay. Okay. I see the, the horsemen are the horsemen. You know, Rick Flair's wearing the nice suits and the, and the rings yep. and the Rolex and the whatever. And Arn. Arn's doing whatever he does because you don't have Tully there to be the second cock of the walk. So you gotcha. Arn, you got to dress up a little bit. You got to force him because a boy from Rome, Georgia, isn't exactly a fucking you know party guy. But whatever, right? You, you, you put him in the role, okay? Stan Lane, you know he look, he man, he's I'm sure he's a yacht guy, so he's probably into loose chicks and fast cars too. I'm assuming, <laughs> you know. Uh, so he, he's in a fast boat right now. So yeah. there you go. And then Bobby, well, Bobby's Bobby. He's going to be quiet and just kind of hang out anyway. So you can throw him in a suit. Okay. So now you got the horsemen. They're dressed up. They're doing their shit. Now you got tacky ass Jim Cornette with ugly suits. And he's a mama's boy trying to fit in as the manager of the four horsemen. But everybody else is just kind of playing them off. Okay. They're just kind of like, they go play in traffic, kid. We, we, we got a handle on this. But the Midnight Express, they're like, well, he's still the guy that brought us to the dance. So, you know, we got him. So yeah. imagine where half the horsemen have a manager they don't fucking give a shit about. And the other half love the guy. And they're still like, they're, they're right, still right. his guys. That could have been a fun grouping. That yeah. could have been good for some comedy. It could have been good for some tension later on. There's a lot. Yeah, could I could do. see that playing out if you kept both of them. Yeah. And I think if you put them two together like that, from what I've seen uh, personally and professionally, I think there'd be a good bit of comedy and tension. Like you said, it could have been both with JJ and Jimmy, yeah. you know, going back and forth and what they were going to do. Actually, you'd probably use that throughout. You'd keep that little bit of tension there. You could do some comedy stuff, like you said, but then the underlying thing is 
is there's some tension. There's some tension between the boys. Yep. And uh, that's not to say that uh, uh, maybe Arn leans towards Jimmy sometimes, or maybe Stan leans towards JJ sometimes, you know, even some tensions there where, you know, Flair's kind of like, hey, I'm just, you leave, I'm here, I'm the man, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby's there, like I say, he's kind of quiet, like, well, if Corny says this, or... He might say, well, J.J. says this. I'm, you know, yep. he's the one that's just kind of like the peacekeeper. Like, we're going out there. We're going to do this, you know. Yeah. Um, that'd be good, man. I don't know. It's an alter universe. You can fuck around however you oh, want, yeah. right? Yeah, but okay, uh, you know what? Man. Here's the thing. So listeners, fans, all you guys at home checking this out, if you got an opinion on that, tweet it at us. Or if you go to bellthebellblaze.com, there's a little microphone down on the right-hand corner. You can leave us a voicemail. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to hear anyone's opinion on that. Uh Give it to us. Let us know. Um, all right, man. Let's go number four. Number the big four. move off the top rope. Alabama Jam. Mm-hmm. Man. Bobby, get up on that top rope and just fly, man. That was a nasty-looking uh, move. Yeah, he dropped that leg from the top. I don't care if the guy's three-fourths of the way across the ring. He's sticking that thing every damn time. And I had to wonder throughout the years, uh, again, I, I – Good vibes only, but man, I'm thinking, how in D hell did he not hurt his hips or knees and me. still walk when he was still walking at, you know, through life? I like, he would, when you, especially like, you know, uh, you work, you know, maybe a bash, they did 14 or 17 days in the show and that's the finish or at least, you know, close to the finish. And, um, you got to get up and he does it the next day and he's getting up there shit 12 or 14 feet in the air, you know, yep. from the time that top rope and he's jumping. And then the, the length of the ring, I mean, he's, you know, he's going, like I said, at least half, if not three fourths of the way, you know, given that bump because he laid them to where, you know, he, he's pretty much closer to the middle, you know, the other person, you know, by the time the leg drops. So he's, he's taking that big ass bump basically night after night. Man. That has to be a killer on your back. I mean, you know, Hulk Hogan's like three inches shorter now because right. of that move. Yeah. And he's dropping it from the mat. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, he's only, yeah, he's Bobby's only, coming from another, you know, ten feet up greater distance. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Alabama you know that, jam, man. You know what that makes me think of though, Bobby? What's Com- that? Compare him to Macho Man again. Macho Man can yeah, yeah, hit you with that elbow fucking anywhere in the ring, all the way across the ring. Yeah. And, and Bobby, he's laying on that hip. Yep. But Bobby every night. You, yeah, but Bobby could hit you with that leg drop anywhere in the ring. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point goes back to what you said early on. They put you know, just challenging each other night after night, come up with a crazier move, funner move, uh dangerous move, whatever it may be. Again, incorporating the high flying, um, the craziness of the macho man, the calmness of Bobby, you know. Um yeah, that's good stuff, man. I never received the Alabama Jam that I know of. If I did, I don't remember it. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm the knock the memory right out of you if you did. Probably, but I uh, no, I took the uh, the high knee was our finish. The the knee off the top, as we mentioned, flying knee. Um, but yeah, I've seen it several several times live, man. As a fan, when I broke in, of course, and then you know, as one of the boys, just either on a monitor or live at the show, man, it's just. Uh, art, you know, art. Um, so Alabama jam and I, I, you know, there we go. Um, let's go number three. Everyone's probably expecting this one. Uh, the midnight express. The midnight what, what express. can we say? 
Well, let's start with a quick history of the Midnight Express. Yes, please uh, do. Down in Southeastern Championship Wrestling, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose formed the original Midnight Express. Uh, Norval Austin would eventually turn on his tag team partner and join them as uh, a third person in the group. They, surprisingly, were not named after the movie. What they took their name from was they all drove black cars and they liked to go out and party in after midnight. There you go. That was, <laughs> that was the basis of the team. Uh, these guys moved around a lot. There was this, that, and the other. They used the Freebird rule, blah, 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 blah. But now we get to the important part. When Bobby Eaton was sent to Mid-South Wrestling under Bill Watts as part of a talent trade, they decided there would be a new version of the Midnight Express. Eaton joined with his former rival, Dennis Condry, under the management of Jim Cornette as the incarnation of this team. Man. Up until then, it had been a group of wrestlers. Now it was a tag team. And that was the start of one of the most dominant tag teams in one or two different forms, but one of the most dominant tag teams of my entire childhood, I would say. Uh, yeah. You know, my teen years and everything. I remember those guys, if, you know, when you saw them, man, they had the uh, USA tag belts or the world tag belts or occasionally both. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. that was something. And I think on our podcast, uh, in our earlier days of it, uh, there's a top 10 tag team wrestling wrestlers of all time, greatest tag teams of all time. It's out there on YouTube. I think it's under tinyurl.com slash BBBB video. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way it was set up. Either way, you can go in there and find it. Uh, the one text did. It's got them all broken down, a top 10 tag teams of all time. And our listeners, and I still believe if you did it today, they'd still come up aces on the um, Midnight Express being the greatest tag team in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, we still stand by that, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I'm, I will stand by that. Here, check yeah. this number out, Bobby. Collectively, okay, uh, let me see if I can find this again. Bobby and, I think, okay, Bobby and Dennis Condry collectively held 53 tag team titles. Tag gone. <laughs> Setting a record, I believe that still stands, setting the record in all of professional wrestling. Yeah. So, and those two together, as a tag team, held 53 individual title reigns. Man. uh, Apparently, no tag, not even the Dudleys, who are like one of the most decorated tag teams ever, Mm -hmm. actually, actually touched that same number. Man. That's impressive. Mm Mm-hmm. Now let's uh, let's flash forward a little bit here, just kind of cover the the entirety of the team. Eventually, Paul yeah. Paulie dangerously comes around. You know what he's got, Bobby? Ah, oh, money. Well, he's got money and a cell phone. <laughs> no, yeah, a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, lay it on me. He's also got his own Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. And it's Dennis Condry and Randy Rose. Now, obviously, yep. Dennis had left and Stanley yep. had joined. Uh, but when they show up, you got the actual two first members of the, the Midnight Express versus the right. new guys who are who I think for most of us that was the Midnight Express we knew was the Bobby Eaton Dennis Condry version, right? Yeah. So the Dennis Condry Randy Rose were like, well, what do you mean original Midnight Express? What do you what do you what are you talking about, Gordon Soley and Bob Cobb? <laughs> we, don't, we don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So but man, 
setting up a nice little uh, tag team. Uh, uh, a little uh, nice angle there. Yeah, nice angle there. Two managers, two new Midnight Express. Um, yeah, that and you played know, nicely. You know what's fun about that? If you think about this, if you took a dime and said, okay, this, this dime is professional wrestling managers, right? And their personalities. And on one side of that dime, we're going to say is Jim Coronet. And on the other side is Paulie Dangerously slash, you know, Paul Heyman. Mm -hmm. Paul Heyman and Jim Coronet are very much alike. They're just from two different geographies where there's different things about them, where they appreciate different parts of the business. When you start picking at their personalities, they are fucking mirror images of each other. (laughs) Well, I'm a cornet guy. So oh, I know, I know. And you I'm know not, that. I'm not making any. No, I know. I, yeah. I know. I get your point. Yeah. No, that's that's a point well made. Point well taken. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's keep Midnight here. Express. Okay. Let's yeah. go to this one. All right. This is not any secret throughout the wrestling world. Um, you want to give it to them, Jeremy? I've seen it personally. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll let you we'll let you cover that. But um, sure. Dennis always carried extras, and Bobby, what did he carry? Bobby carried every damn thing. <laughs> he had duffel bags, a couple of duffel bags, you know. He uh, always towels, number one towels. He had towels, um, you know. And I, going back and watching some of the YouTube videos out there, uh, here's a good reason. Um, I'm hot and sweaty. I don't want. I don't want to use let someone use my towel. Uh, this towel's mine, you know. I'm I'm hot and sweaty. I want to dry off on her. I just got out of shower. I don't want you know. And so Bobby made sure he got an extra one in case someone needed one. They wouldn't use his. And then it became like, oh, uh, so-and-so left the towel or didn't bring one for every reason. Well, I asked Bobby. So then it was like two or three of them, you know. He always had one, you know. So that's towels and then gum, uh, pins, sewing kit. Uh, and we mentioned would take the time to even sew your gear if you needed to. I would imagine that came from just as early young upbringing that, you know, he knew how to fucking sew some knee pads up or whatever in case something blew out or a hole in his trunks or what have you. And you're out there on the road, you had to take stuff, you know, for three, four, five, seven days, however long you was gone for, you know, might as well have a sewing kit with you. Um, candy bars, uh, let's see, hammers, nails, um, <laughs> screwdrivers. I, I, if you, what Cornette say the Steiners just kept messing with them there for a while. Like wonder if Bobby will have this and he's trying to like stay one step ahead of them. They'd ask him like, he'd have a combination lock or he had a screwdriver. I mean, it was several things he had that they had asked. They like, he won't have this. And he did. So, uh, yeah, yeah he always carried extras for the boys. Um, and it was always something different in there, you know, um, I think the core of it was though to to not take the joke over the top because, but I think it was towels, uh, washcloths, uh, uh, shoelaces, bootlaces, shoelaces, bootlaces. Uh, like I said, uh, sewing kit, lots of gum, lots of gum, uh, breath mints, and um, candy bars, lots of candy bars. Um, those are things right off the top of my head that I that I know he had for sure. Uh, uh, like a little, you know, little convenience store. You know what? Let so. me let me let me ask you this. Um, if somebody lost their duffel bag, <laughs> would Bobby Eaton have an extra duffel bag? <laughs> you know what? He may have had one folded down in there. He may have. He may have had a duffel bag in a duffel bag. You know. So um, yeah. Oh. Uh, he always had his boots, of course, and socks. Oh yeah. Let me tell you. 
uh, almost left that one off. He always had extra socks. And again, it's not one of them things you want to say, uh, let me, because if someone wanted a pair of my socks, I'm giving them to them. I'm not letting them borrow them. I don't want them back sweaty and do it for you. I don't want you to take them and fucking wash them and bring them back to me. Uh, those socks are yours, you know, sorry. Um, but, but Bobby had extra. If someone for whatever reason would need a pair, he had extra. Um, I don't know about underwear. I'm not going there. I'm just saying if you borrowed mine, I'm, if you're man enough to borrow them, I'm probably giving them to you. Cause I do not want them back. Sorry. But, uh, I, I don't think he had those. Maybe he did, but I know he had lots of socks. Everyone needs socks at some point. Yeah, so I'd, I'd give somebody uh, 25 bucks before a pair of underwear. I was like, here, just go, go to Walmart. Go. Yeah. Have someone run out and get you a pair if you need them that bad. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you're at a building and you don't have underwear. Either don't wear them, or as soon as the show's over, go get you some. Hey, man. Because I can't help you. We've all ended up without our underwear once or twice in life. <laughs> At some point in our life, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've had to rip mine off before. Um, um, to, <laughs> had to clean up uh, on a highway a couple times. Just leave them out there. Sorry. Yep. Uh, luckily, have a towel with me, and uh, maybe only have an hour to go. But you're like, God damn it, I didn't need them socks and that t- uh, a pair of underwear anyway. But um, I'm thankful I can just make it this far. Sometimes so. you just need to get out of bed quick and run out before the <laughs> husband comes knocking on the door or something. You know, <laughs> Not right Fester, window, I don't know, you know about that. You know what I do? I do want to bring up because I do happen to know that a few of our listeners have started watching or have been watching Corner Gas. Okay. There's an episode later where one of the characters starts wearing cargo pants and starts loading them up with different shit to carry, and everybody tries to come along and stump him as far as what he's carrying. And I, when I heard the story about Bobby, uh, okay, Steiners, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of was just like somebody going like. Uh, do you have like a sharp pen and uh, windshield wipers, you know? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. something good. All right. So let's go to our number one again. If this isn't on your list, I'd be surprised, but we are the official 100% legit Top 10 Reasons We Love Bobby Eaton on the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. And Professor, you have knocked it out of the park this week. I appreciate it. Lay them, let them down. Lay, God damn it, Bobby, spit it out. Easy for me to say over here, Professor. Yeah. Just please tell us, number one, I was going to say lay it out to us, Big Daddy, but go ahead. All right. <laughs> number one, Bobby Eaton was the nicest guy in the world. Yes. Yes. I, I defy um, you. Find somebody who has something bad to say about Bobby. Yeah. I have said that since we started day one of this program. Yeah. And um, I've never heard anyone say anything bad, nasty, hateful, mean in any any way about Bobby Eaton. You just, it just, it, he, and I did a little thing last night for, um, uh, it was on a TikTok. I've never done a TikTok. I don't have TikTok, but uh, for the time warp they cover, you know, it's like the geekish cast. You guys, you're of that. They have all the fucking social media. Instagram, I was doing Facebook Live for them. They was filming. It's not on my phone. I've got Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. Just saying. Jeremy's at the Geekish Cast or the joint one at Bell to Bell Blaze. But the gentleman down there that was doing all their media stuff, all their social media. Harry, shout out to Harry. Make sure he gets that, Earl. Uh, he done one for TikTok, and I did about a 25, 30-second tribute. Uh, rest in power, Bobby Eaton. And um, I put on there... All you wrestling fans of the world, if you've seen Bob Eaton as a good or as great as you thought he was in the ring, 
He was that much better of a man and a human being outside the ring. Nicest guy in the world, man. Uh, Bobby, I hope you love this top 10 reason. And Tim's not enough, but we did a little tribute to him last week. And this week, we're just, we got an order, man. And that's our number one. Um, that's our number one. What do you think, Professor? Well, I think that's about all we had to say on that matter, isn't it? There you go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not close out anything. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to where uh, you know, kind of we went when the animal died. Is that you know the Earth is four billion years old, and if you're around right now, you got to be around during a 30, 40 year period where Bobby Eaton was a pro wrestler. Consider mm. yourself lucky. Absolutely, I consider myself lucky that I got to share a ring with them um, and got to know them. But more importantly. Um, I was a friend of his and he was a friend of mine and there was that mutual respect there. And I imagine if he treated everyone else that he met just a smidgen of the way he treated me, then your life has been blessed by having met, talked to, shook the hand of, worked with beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, and that's a shoot, not a work. Rest in power, Bobby Eaton. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Beautiful Bobby. All right. Well, yeah. you know what, guys? I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. And I think, uh, you know, before anybody gets emotional or it gets weird. So, right, right, right. Yeah. So, for the late Tex Johnson, myself, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, the only Triple Crown champion of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Bobby Blaze. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>